Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Progressive Bitcoiner podcast. I'm your host, Trey Walsh, and today we have a big guest for you, Peter McCormack. Uh, so this episode was really crazy for me because I found myself on his podcast just a few months ago after writing a little article for Bitcoin Magazine, and I'm really honored that he decided and was willing to come on uh, my podcast and take a seat in the guest seat, which was really exciting. Really, really enjoyed this chat. We talked about Bitcoin. We talked about his story, his background, and what brought him to where uh, he is today. We talked about seeking truth in this day and age and a wide variety of other things. So really hope you enjoy this episode uh, as much as I did. Um, before we get to the show, though, I do want to mention that I've started a new partnership with Bitcoin Magazine that I'm really excited to announce. And we're going to be offering a promotion code for Jason Meyer's book, A Progressive's Case for Bitcoin. Now, that's going to be in the show notes. But if you use promo code TPB in uh, Bitcoin Magazine store, you're going to get 10% off of his book. So if you haven't gotten his book yet and haven't read it yet, or if you have and you need to order more copies uh, for your friends and family, uh, go and do that. Use our promo code that's in the show notes or use it in the store, TPB at checkout, and you're going to get 10% off of that. All right, I'll let you get to the show. Uh, as always, if you have any questions or comments for us, please feel free to reach out. Hello at progressivebitcoiner.com, and we will see you all uh, next week. Hey, Peter, thanks for jumping on the Progressive Bitcoiner podcast. Uh, not a problem. You're turning the tables on me now. This is this is wild. So I, for those that, that don't know, many of you might. So I was on Peter's podcast back in March down in New York after writing this little article in Bitcoin magazine and then sending it to Peter, just wanting to see if, uh, you know, I was on the right course. You know, I'd been listening to you. Um, you know, and you're one of the reasons I probably got into Bitcoin because it was normal messaging, people I could resonate with, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, sent you an article and was just like, oh, you know, let me know what you think. Uh, if I'm on the right course, was trying to tie Bitcoin into my nonprofit stuff and, and what I'm doing. Uh, and then you were like, why don't you come on down and talk about it? Um, which was wildly unexpected. Uh, you know, got through the gatekeeper, Danny, and Danny asked some great questions, which I tell people all the time. And I've mentioned to a couple of people, I don't know if he would ever do it. But him jumping on a podcast, I don't know. Has he? Do you know if he's jumped on a podcast? I don't think he's done a podcast as a guest. He's done um, a couple of live events. He's been... Yeah, he's uh, been more vocal for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, this is very surreal and weird um, to now have you on my podcast and to even have a podcast at this point because that's a whole other thing. So um, super appreciative. Uh, you've been super supportive. Um, yeah, this is great. This is going to be fun. I'm looking forward. Well, listen, look, I'm glad you're doing this. Uh, I think it's important that we have uh, a, a range of voices, both sides of the microphone in this space. And uh, so I'm, I'm, yeah, I think it's cool that you're doing it. Any support help you need, you know where I am, you know where Danny is, we're here to help. Yeah, awesome. Well, that kind of leads into my first uh, initial kickoff question is, you know, why support a progressive Bitcoin message, if you will, or are more messaging targeted at progressives. You know, you and Danny seem to be intentional. And you mentioned before you were intentional about that in terms of guests, in terms of, you know, things you, you're supporting. Not that that's your sole focus, but uh, getting more of that in. So, you know, for you, what was what was the reason of wanting to do that? Yes, yeah, that's, that's a great first question. And I really hope some conservative or libertarian Bitcoiners listen to this show and what we talk about, because I think the nuance is often lost in the, the world of Twitter or whatever. It isn't about supporting a progressive podcast. It's about supporting all voices, wherever you are. So there was a period of time when we were doing the podcast and 
uh, I was reading the reviews up on Charterball and a couple of people had said it's all right wing or libertarian people. There's no voices from the left here at all. There's no progressive voices. And uh, I mean, well, about it, what what time was that? Do you think like when? That was when? a c- couple of years ago. Okay, um, yeah. And uh, and it what firstly it wasn't true. We do we we have had progressive voices on. Right, right. Um, but um, but it was it was true that there was definitely a uh, bias towards uh, uh, people from the right or libertarians. And I'm not saying those those people are the same, but there are some strong shared ideas between libertarians and uh conservatives and so i said to danny if bitcoin is to succeed and or for bitcoin to succeed or or to get bitcoin as many hands as possible it's really important that all voices are heard and so let's you know we're in this position where apparently i mean i think we have it's, it's a weird thing to say but we've got the largest bitcoin podcast and we have a duty and a responsibility to talk to everyone and bring as many people on the show as possible so let's make a push to have more progressives on the show so we put it out there put up on on twitter and uh, we had a whole bunch of people reach out to us Uh, we did a little spell i think we had mark goodwin on the show and you know um, a few others came on at the same time came over to the uk and and look these shows don't historically do well for us yeah 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 if you say mine didn't mine didn't i know that well Well, at least on youtube i'm not sure yeah, because you're new. Yeah, no, what goes yeah, well yeah, on YouTube sure. is a big name if you're Sailor or Lynn Orden yeah, or yeah, yeah. it's a, a baity title. And so we knew the shows wouldn't do too well. We knew it would trigger people, but we knew there was a responsibility to do this because uh, there are shared uh, philosophies and shared ideas between both conservatives and uh, progressives with regards to Bitcoin. Yeah. And when you've got... Elizabeth Warren and her anti-crypto army lying about Bitcoin or attacking it, they're not gonna she's not gonna listen to Ted Cruz or conservatives. But she might listen to uh, uh a you know a Democrat politician who's been orange peeled, and her constituents might listen to a, a Trey or a Mark Goodwin. And so for us, it was a really important job to do. And it's like I said, when I wrote the forward to Jason Meyer's book, I think he wrote the most, wrote the most important book for conservative Bitcoiners because you can argue over guns and abortion and trans rights, all those things. The one thing you all agree on is Bitcoin and you do not want to fight over this. You do not want this to be a political football. So for us, it was a really important thing to do. But it's a challenging thing to do because I've got one foot that's in America and one foot that's in the UK. I spent half my yeah, not half my time, but I spend a lot of time in the US making this podcast and a lot of time in the UK. And and it's, I often reference my pinned tweet, yeah, how Americans see me versus how Brits see me. If, if anyone's not seen that, I say Americans see me as this like screaming lefty liberal and, and uh, people in the UK see me as Alex Jones. And I think some people haven't, you know, some Americans haven't taken the time to like really understand what position that puts me in they, they they sit from a position of a conservative american and they go why do you believe that you're wrong you're a crazy liberal whereas in the uk i'm a conservative i'm seen as a conservative but but conservatives in the uk have a lot of shared ideas with uh progressives in the us because our even our conservative party is fairly progressive on certain ideas and so it's a very careful balance to walk because one of the biggest challenges with a Twitter profile or the podcast is audience capture. And I want to avoid that as best I can. And I will not be captured by the audience for the sake of making money. I'm always going to stay true to myself. 
And so we do this, we bring progressives on, we, we talk to progressives because we think it's an important part of the conversation. But if it was the other way around, if, if Bitcoin was born from progressives and there weren't many conservatives, I would have made a push for conservatives. So it isn't about supporting progressives. It's actually about supporting everyone. Yeah. And I, um, I, I resonate with that because I am progressive and left, but also you know, my own background, I was born in, have you spent any time in Virginia, like outside of DC? No, but I'm conscious of uh, politically uh, how Virginia is. Yeah, yeah. So it, it has changed a bit as well, but I grew up in the southwestern part of the state, very rural, very Trump now, you know, that, that kind of affiliation. Um, so for me, I, I don't think a lot of people know that too. And I'll talk to people a lot. And I think why I can resonate with a lot of people on the right um, is because that's, that's my family. That's a lot of people I grew up with. And so for me, it also, yes, I'm a progressive, I'm left, I've only ever voted Democrat um, in my adult life. But for me, if Bitcoin was mostly progressives, I'd probably be saying, hey, we need to do a better job of pulling in some from the right. And the only reason I'm really interested in the things I talked about on your podcast or even even here is that there is such a small minority of louder voices or people putting out media that's targeted at progressive left or just mainstream in general, right? So that's why I'm doing this. And Jason and I have talked about this like five, 10 years down the line. And I think you mentioned on your podcast too, let's drop the progressive or maybe if it's it's kind of an in title only for any, whatever this podcast is or, you know, future endeavors, Jason's mentioned, he might write different types of books because he's a, he's an educator, right? It's not about, um, you know, we want progressives to dominate the narrative. It, it's that there is no progressive narrative or bent in Bitcoin. And that's, that's my motivation as well. And I completely share that, you know, my, my views aside, that's, that's my main motivator right now, at least. Yeah. So I received an email this morning from someone who listened to my show with Margot and Troy, and he took issue with me putting people in. Great episode. Thank by the you. Way. Like fantastic. I'm going to have Margot on next week. Um, so I'll try to not hit too many of the same no, points. She's, she's yeah. great. And, uh, and they said, stop putting people in camps. This is Bitcoin. We're neither left nor right. And I, I pushed back on him and said, look, that's where you want people to be, but I'm going to meet people where they are. And there are people in the camps of the left and right. And uh, what I recognize is whether you're left or right, and whether you're captured in this kind of polarized fight, you're still part of that machine that grows bigger and bigger and steals more and more from everyone. It doesn't matter whether you're, you're left or right, you know, inflation is, is stealing from people. And there's a real issue with, with the government, especially, especially in the U S and, so I'm going to meet people where they are. I'm going to talk to them about Bitcoin in a language that they understand or bring on people to talk about it in a language they understand. And hopefully there's this meeting in the middle. Because one of the great things is, is that you take Bitcoin out of this. If you were uh, sat in a pub and you sat down with like some staunch Republican, there's not going to be much you're going to agree on. You're probably going to argue the whole time and it's not going to be very productive. But if you meet a conservative Bitcoiner, you can sit down. You're going to talk about Bitcoin. You two are probably going to be friends and get on. And then all that other shit, all that stuff which the media or the the politicians push that creates the divide, that's I think that'll eventually melt away because you're going to focus on the most important things, which is freedom and freedom to use the money you want and get away from this kind of growing uh, surveillance state that controls every part of our life. And so let's meet people where they are, talk to them in the language they understand. But once we've got them together, let's just talk about Bitcoin. And, and that's where, you know, uh, I've, I've heard a lot of people on the right, not to name names, who are in Bitcoin that said, yeah, I voted for Obama in 2008, or I, I, would, I would advocate for that. And you know what his messaging was? And it was brilliant. 
And the reason he resonated with so many Americans at the time was he talked about the problems. Like, hey, your your paycheck isn't enough. Your your housing situation is, isn't fun. Your you know your healthcare, you can't go and see the doctor. It just like what what is wrong, right? And that's a great starting point for Bitcoin. Is and what I want this podcast to be about too is you know we can talk about Bitcoin price, the the tech, all of that, and and people will get into that. We'll probably cover some of that on this the show, but a lot of it is why was Bitcoin created? The why's what's wrong. Right. If you start there, then you start getting away from the the FUD from the left, you know, the whatever um, cultural stuff from the right that starts fading away. And then you focus on why are we here? Why are we doing this? Why is Bitcoin here? Yeah. And when you get into that, there it, it's solving problems that affect you. It doesn't matter whether you are conservative or progressive. It, it just doesn't matter. It affects you exactly the same. You know, the, 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 all the difficulties in running a business and getting banking services and maintaining your wealth, it's like in the end, you know, a very, a very, uh, a very important thing that politicians push is your money. Contr- you know, having your own money, controlling your money, looking after your money. No one likes to raise taxes. Raising taxes isn't popular. But, but all those things about why Bitcoin is created—that is for ed- anyone, wherever you are in the political divide. So, I'm, I'm, just to repeat, I'm saying, meet people where they are, talk to them in a language they understand, and then then let's come together. And I think, yeah, I really do feel like Bitcoin is uh, a unifying force for the polarization that happens. But again, the United States is very unique. If you compare it to Europe, if you come to Europe, you're not going to see this massive divide. Some people are trying to stoke the fires and make it happen, but it does. It's not really the same. Both parties, both primary parties are much more towards the center. There's a there's much more civil engagement. And so we don't, you know, it's important for, I think, for some Americans to just recognize the world outside of America. It's very different. You're not going to convert a European into a conservative American because we're culturally very different. We're just very different people. As I'm not going to convert a a conservative uh, Republican American into like a British conservative because it's a very different person. You know, guns is a great example. I'm I'm very anti-guns and I've heard all the arguments. I totally get the arguments. Now, I can be a conservative British person and be anti-gun and I'm in the 99%. I can't be that in America. And so my view is very nuanced. So I'm not, I, I, I don't, yeah, I'm anti-gun. I'm anti, uh, uh, for the UK, if there was a if there was a referendum, should we legalize guns in the UK? I would vote no, as would 99.9% of the population. Now that, yeah, and I recognize there is an issue with guns in America, but I'm not here saying America should ban guns. It's your country, it's your rules. Like, yeah, I understand the history and you know, why you have them, but you, but if I'm going to do that, you, you need to extend that back to us. You can't turn around to me and, and say, well, you know, the UK, you're just, you know, you're just a bunch of pussies because you don't have guns and you should change. It's like you're trying to change the culture of an entire country where nobody wants it. So, you know, if you want me to meet you where you are, you're going to meet me where I am. Yeah. And you all had a different, and not to go on a huge tangent, hu- hugely different experience um, in the founding of your country, the people groups in World War II, you know, World War One and Two, right? When you have those like giant things that happen and bombs coming to your country, you all, you, that's when you all united on healthcare, right? Like th- those types of things, it's culturally massively different. And that's a whole other podcast we could do, right? But, um, it's funny, I had Mark uh, Stefani on, who used to run this podcast yesterday. He's he's in healthcare. Uh, so we, we did a whole episode talking about health and healthcare and those kind of things. But th- that's another huge divide. And you 
you can't compare, right? And, you know, I was in Switzerland recently, a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago. And, and again, completely different. There's so many things you see in a small, sometimes homogenous group, whether it's Netherlands, Switzerland, things like that. The U.S. is just a completely different beast, for better or for worse, on all of these um, topics. But I, I will say, so you you get feedback, obviously, on the podcast from, you know, when you have progressives on, but also those from the right. Do you have data or statistics on any of that feedback, I guess, from Europeans? Are there more Europeans that are kind of anti-state in that libertarian group uh, that are that are reaching out? Or is it overwhelmingly, you know, your U.S.-based listeners? No, no, listen, it's, and it's all anecdotal data. Yeah, 100%. Just what but, you're seeing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and look, there will be people in Europe who are considering themselves libertarians. And, uh, and therefore, I think it's quite a lonely existence being a libertarian in Europe because there aren't many, <laughs> there aren't many of them. Um, and they identify with a, a lot of the libertarian Bitcoiners and, Therefore, when they go to conferences, they will spend time with your Safer Deans, your Stefan Leveras, and they have, they have a real affinity with them. But it's not an it's not an idea or, that's particularly well known or popular. If I sat down in the pub with my friends and said, "What is libertarianism?" They most of them wouldn't know and wouldn't care. And if you explain it to them, they'll say, "Well, that sounds weird." And so I, I just think we're in a very different space in Europe with re, with regards to this. And and therefore, anecdotally, what I find in Europe is that my my podcast, I, I would say. I mean, your European episodes like, feel very different. You know, when you have those yeah. guests on, it's a very, I would say, different show. It's great, um, but there, it, it feels like a different show in a lot of ways. And it's, sometimes I did enjoy well, those episodes more. It really, it depends. Yep. Well, we're not we're not disagreeing on much. That's so, true. Yeah, a, you know, a, a great lens for that. If you look at Ukraine, Russia, there's a real proximity to what I see as people's uh, views on that. So if you are in Eastern Europe, you talk to a Matthew Mizinski, who's you know, in Eastern Europe, but you've talked to anyone in Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, any of the old or Soviet Republic countries, I mean, it's almost universal support for Ukraine. And as you go through most of Europe, it's, you know, as you get further away, it's either universal support or indifference. I don't, I literally don't know a single person in Europe who is repeating Putin propaganda. Now you will you will see it on Twitter. You will see that more, you know, uh, what would be considered far right. You know, I don't mean like uh, far right white supremacy, but like pretty strong right people from the right who are you know repeating some of that propaganda. But it's very rare. It's almost universal support. But once you get to the US, that political divide is hit, and you will see people repeating, yeah, you know, Putin's Russian propaganda, and. And and that is just because again we're very we're very different here. We've not politicized everything. You know, sometimes we're just like, what is the rational, reasonable take? Well, Ukraine is an independent democratic country. It was illegally invaded by a bully mafia state, uh, which has a history of uh, 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 conflict you know, under Putin's regime. It's you know Chechnya, Georgia, Ukraine, two thousand fourteen. You know, we've seen. Uh, Putin assassinate people or attempt to assassinate people across Europe. You know, he poisoned multiple people with nerve agents in the UK uh, on UK soil. Yeah, he's tried to assassinate his uh, biggest. Com- you know, it's, it was, uh, it's Navalny. He tried to uh, kill Navalny. Yeah, now Navalny is now hooked up in prison. Uh, we we fully recognise there is no free speech in Russia. 
uh, if you're a journalist who criticizes the government, you will probably end up with a bullet in the back of your head. Look, we're not idiots. We see that all. And so when Russia invades Ukraine, it's pretty clear what's happening. And yes, look, was Ukraine corrupt? Yes, we know that. But at the same time, it's, we know what's happening there. When you look at when you go back to the US and you see the response, you know there's a, a political divide on this for v, v the left and the right. And what I would love to know, I'd be really interested. I just interviewed Bellardian. I mentioned the same to him. Say Trump had won the last election, and ignore the fact that Trump thinks there wouldn't have been a Russia-Ukraine war if he'd been in power. Say Russia had invaded Ukraine under Trump's watch. Would Trump have supported Ukraine? Would he have sent weapons to Ukraine? And would it then be the conservatives, you know, the Republicans in America saying, we should support them. We need to stop Russia. We don't want Russia to you know, uh, to uh, rebuild the Soviet Union. And would it be then the Democrats saying, why are we getting involved in another foreign war? And I good, don't good know question. the answer to good. that. You know, I, yeah. look, at, look at COVID, right? I mean, it's pretty clear. Trump, the vaccine started rolling out under Trump. Right. He was on an interview recently, I believe, where he was like, not allowed to talk about the vaccine. For some reason, that's not popular. Right. I can't talk about it. Right. So, you know, there's moments of, I don't give him too much credit, clarity from Trump when he just spits out the truth of like, it, it's a vaccine or whatever. And again, not to have that debate, you know, all of that stuff, but just in general, when you are CEO of a country, those politics kind of go away. Like in, in your department, like you've got war generals coming and being like, Russia's like pretty crazy. They just invaded this country, nuclear power, one of our biggest foes. Like, you know, but fight for Ukraine is a, a fight to support the way the world has been going for better or for worse. So yes, Trump would do exactly what we are doing now for better or for worse. And I think both the left and the right, again, when you talk about money, you talk about information, the one thing that I would hope, and I've talked to some of my progressive friends and talked to my own wife about is like, it is a bit crazy we, we write checks for a country out of taxpayer or debt dollars, uh, you know, money printing dollars, unanswered, unchecked, right? That that doesn't have to be a political thing, right? Again, it might be, yes, we should or no, we shouldn't or something like that, right? So there is more of a disbelief and a questioning consistently in the US, arguably since Watergate, and you keep going down that. And that, that's a deeply left progressive anarchist kind of background so i think regardless of president they would do the same thing so people if people should question people have a right to question but the problem is with social media and all these other things they just keep going and there's no end there's no truth when you go that in that rabbit hole it's tribalism sadly people have put it now putting themselves in the place where they're picking a tribe and whatever the tribe believes they believe and there isn't much pushback from within tribes and so it just becomes this eternal fight and um, twitter is very different for me from eight in the morning till about 11 when it's european twitter it's very very different when america wakes up everything goes a bit batshit crazy and everyone's arguing about the same stuff and you know to the point where i just get, almost some of the people i follow it just gets a bit tiring you know with the things they're saying the rep they're repeating the same messages over and over again um and sadly, it's because social media rewards this. doesn't matter whether you're left or the right. Social media rewards the building of echo chambers and tribes. And so what that, the, as an outside observer with one foot in the UK and Europe and one foot in America, I think I can see quite clearly what's going on in America. A, a lot of people think I'm a fucking idiot. But actually, 
I come I come from a position of spending a lot of time in both camps and see what's going on in both camps. And I can criticize Europe and UK very easily. Don't get me wrong on that. But I can also see this stupid war playing out in America that no one's benefited from. It's, it's, I mean, if I, I, the thing I said to Balaji, as somebody who's divorced, it very much reminds me of the end of a relationship where you just don't agree on anything. You fight on every issue. When you fight on one issue, you bring up all the old issues. Really, you just need to not be together anymore because there's no, there's nobody is working together for the better of the electorate. They are working together for the better of the party and the better of power. And when you get into that place, you be, you know you're being manipulated. And that's the left and the right. And it's, honestly, the criticisms they have of each other are so hypocritical. Yeah, and that's one of the biggest differences. You know, in the UK, I was very impressed. <laughs> Again, for better or for worse, you know, your, your, your prime ministers, if there's some sort of conflict or whether it's in the party or people, they'll resign. You guys will roll through prime ministers or elected officials. In the U.S., that concept of resigning or even we'll see what happens with the Trump indictment stuff, but even elected official, which I would argue many should have faced criminal charges. And I think you might I might agree with that, especially with Iraq and wars in the past. Um, in the U.S., just just a foreign concept that shows that inverse. And I do wish we'd get back a little more to like the electorate, the people, you know, when we said, hey, that's messed up and you're done. They, that you're done, right? Regardless of what political party that is. The problem is the parties are the ones deciding, right? Democrats are like, Trump should be locked up. Republicans are like, Biden should be locked up. The party is leading that message. The people, meanwhile, we're squabbling on Twitter and life continues on the same year after year after year. We've got an election in a year and a half coming up. Do I have any hope that anything would be different? No. And that's why I'm into Bitcoin because I'm like, that system and our politics are not working. Maybe this Bitcoin thing can just, we're, you know, I'm kind of done trying to work with that system. Let's try to do this and then we'll force them to eradicate or change that system. Uh, that seems the only way. I think I'm on the same page as you now. It took, it took me a while. It's taken me years to shed uh, all my kind of status skin. Uh, and it took me some time, probably, yeah, like the US, in the US, I think people are more distrusting of government, certainly from the conservative side, and rightly so. Whereas we're a little more trusting here. So when COVID happened and they talked about lockdowns and told us what was going on, I I, I believed it a bit quicker and I didn't question enough. Going through COVID, post-COVID, uh, we've now got the um, uh, select committee doing their investigation into COVID and generally having my eye open to the way media works and um, and the kind of relationship between mainstream media and politics I've kind of got to that point where I'm like, okay, look, I get it now. Yes, I still like the idea of democracy. Uh, I think whether you like democracy or not, um, the state is, I think, a natural monopoly that doesn't go away. But I won't vote again. There's nobody, because what am I voting for? If I'm, I, I don't believe either party. I don't believe they work for the benefit of the electorate. I don't believe they make the tough decisions that they should do. I think they work for the power and they work for careers. And so what can I do? Well, I can work on creating independent media, which challenges them. And I can work on Bitcoin, which challenges the sovereignty of, of individuals versus the sovereignty of the state. And if we can create enough power to the individual, if we can shift the balance back from the state to the electorate, then maybe we will get better politicians in the long run. Maybe we will get a stronger and better democracy because of that. Um, but I, I'm done trying to defend 
democracy because democracy, democracy in its current state is completely broken because of the incentive model. Yeah, 100%. That leads me to one of my questions that I wanted to get to you on is, you know, where do you think for you this, you know, search and thirst for truth and investigation came from? Because you've been doing this for a while, you know, you've you've tried different documentary series, different podcast ventures, different things like that. Um, you know, traveling around the world, asking questions, yes, about money, but also about you know, corrupt governments, things like this. And, and I think whatever criticism people can throw your way, you know, whether, whether you're, what did you say? Like people think I'm an idiot or statist or whatever. Statist cuck or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you, you clearly, ever since you, you jumped ship, which I also want to talk about, you know, your career change, uh, you really have a, a yearning for, for the truth. And I definitely shift, right. Whether you're investigating, whether you're like, I want to do a documentary about this. Cause I went there and it's like, that, that's weird. I'm curious. So where do you think that stemmed from? I, I honestly don't know. I mean, I'm a I'm a an oddball in my family. Um, I'm the, I'm the odd one it, it, you know, compared to my brother and sister, mum and dad. I'm 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 completely the oddball of the family. Um, it's I don't know. I've always had an empathy in me. You know, I've I had an empathy for you know, people who have a tough life. Um, uh, and I very early on, you know, got very interested in. Uh, the way the world works. I, I, yeah, I read John Pilger early on. I'm not sure I completely agree with him. Everything now, um, yeah. But I just became interested in the way the world works, and I, I spent two decades working in advertising, and during that period, I watched uh, Jerry Maguire, and he wrote that manifesto at the start of the film: "The things we think and do not say." And and during my career in advertising, I realized I'm, I'm a fucking liar here. What am I doing? I'm trying to convince people to buy shit they don't need. And when we're trying to convince clients to spend money with us, we're trying to make the stats sound as best as possible. And I just felt completely unfulfilled. It was triggered at a time when I got divorced. I was like, I just can't do this shit anymore. Like, for me, the truth is really important. And I get a lot wrong, but I don't do it wrong on purpose and I don't lie. Yeah. So you can throw any argument when I... You can say, Pete, you uh, you were pro lockdown. I was because I thought it was the right thing at the time. I, mean, I had a friend who's a doctor who uh, I spoke to, I interviewed actually. It got very upset talking about there was a trickle of people and suddenly an inflow of people who couldn't breathe. And it sounded scary. And when the government said they came out and they're going to do a lockdown, it sounded like the right thing at the time to do to get to grips with it. Obviously, it wasn't. But can we... Can we talk about that too? Being a, a Bitcoin podcast, like that did feel like the right thing. We had never seen this ever before, right? Every, you know, 2020 is hindsight, but like you saying at the time, it seemed right. Like that is you using your your brain and your experiences doing what felt right at the time. Everyone who's like, I knew from the beginning, I'm like, well, you did. You just didn't trust anything or anyone. Sure, that's, yeah. that's true. That's, that's true. Like Fauci, a lot of, lot of proof and clarity that shows that man lied many times, right? On many, many things. And people in positions of power that did know those backdoor conversations, those are things we find out after the fact, right? That is very true. But the average Joe Schmo that sees a, a tweet and says like, oh, you know, when New York hospitals were being flooded and it was terrifying for a couple of months. Now, six months in, we knew pretty quickly, relatively speaking, that, okay, it's not an apocalyptic state that we thought in terms of locking down to the degree we did like early on i wore like winter gloves to the grocery store this was like two weeks in and i'm in new england right so we were like new york boston there's a big outbreak at biogen um one of the pharmaceutical conferences 
People didn't know. They were like, leave your cardboard outside for a week if you get a package. Wild. It was wild. And I, I, you know, but then quickly I was like, okay, we're, we're young people, healthy, you know, eat well, all that. You know, I don't have to be too worried. But early on, we had no idea what was going on. I just wanted, because too many people say like, I knew. And I'm like, some people did, but you didn't. You were just skeptical of everything. Yeah, no, I no, but no. Give 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 the people credit where they deserve. Some people knew that this was stupid. I mean, like when you when you think about it critically, it's a virus. At some point, you open up, and at some point, it's going to spread. You can't stop it. And I and I and I don't I don't think I thought about it enough, and I was wrong. And I said some pretty stupid things. But like going back to my previous point, it's like when you're out there and you've got millions of people listening to your show and half a million followers on Twitter. Sometimes you're going to be wrong, and, and that's tough because those those things you get wrong follow you around. But I will always say when I'm wrong and apologize. And that's I want to go because I can't COVID thing we've done so many times any place. But but the, but 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 that search for the truth is really important. But the sad thing about the search for the truth is I'm finding it really hard to get there now because on every issue there seems to be arguments and counter arguments, and all can sound compelling on whatever issue there is. Um, and so I've kind of found myself in this position where, uh, I, I, I do want to find the truth. I want to share the truth. I think that's the most important thing you can do. I, I don't understand lying. Yeah. I mean, I understand lying as a parent to protect children, right? And little white lies, but I don't understand lying as a career or lying professionally. I don't understand it because I think you've got no morals. Have you got no backbone? And so, for me, yeah. And then for me, it's just I just I like meeting people. I like going to weird places, and I like talking to them and finding out about their lives. And I I like sharing that. I I, I think if anything, you know, the one thing where you can map from my career and advertising to what I do now is I like I like storytelling. Um, I like the cr the creative process of storytelling, but I, I can't tell you where it's come from. It's just sometimes it's just that there's a thing in you which you like doing, and I like. I like talking to people. So, you know, talking about advertising, I, I dug up, you You wrote a 2015 article on how online advertising doesn't work on media. Yeah, well, that was, that was, was that the, uh, that was my, that was my Jerry Maguire. So that's my, so I was like, was that the beginning of the end? Was, yeah. yeah. yeah, so, yeah. But it, it was a roll of the dice. And at the same time, my like career suicide in that, Je Je whatever, Jerry Maguire wrote, the things we think and do not say. He thought they worked for a faceless, uh, um, media agency that really represented players. And he said, these are the things, and he put the manuscript out. Everybody loved it. He got fired and kicked out the business because they knew the danger of this. The danger of this is that it'll be a more personal relationship, more honest relationship. You make less money. This was my version of that. You know, online advertising does not work. Now, of course it does work. But if you go into the nuance of the article, I talk about the bullshit of the industry. And what we did is when I published it, I published it as the front page of our website. And then I sent all my clients to it. And my hope for that is people would go, oh my God, he's telling the truth. This is amazing. That's the agency we need to work with. It didn't really work out like that. Now we got some, I got some great feedback. I mean, it took me six weeks to write to get the word incorrect. We got so many, so much good feedback. People saying, I love this. This is great. This is amazing. But nothing changed. And within, Within months, I'd quit the industry, which is kind of what I wanted to do anyway. So that was, you don't mind me asking, right around 
divorce time right around what you know talk because you've mentioned before on podcasts and again I'm, I'm cognizant of like how many different things you've said on different podcasts and i don't want to repeat all that right so um you know well, the your, your the silk road experience right. bitcoin what was that that timeline so that article was like 2015 so tldr it was um uh it's really a decade ago i got married in 2013 uh Three months later, we separated because uh, my wife was having an affair at the time, uh, which uh, started before our marriage. I found out afterwards. Um, uh, went into just like a very you know, shitty place. I loved the woman, right? And uh, developed a very unhealthy drug and drink problem and essentially rode, rode the roller coaster down to rock bottom. And, and you know just went to an awful point where there was one day where I was just literally doing cocaine all day, ended up in an ambulance. And like, like I said, I've told it a bunch of times I hit rock bottom, you know, quit advertising and then, you know, took a year off work. I think that was, uh, most of 2016 and, you know, uh, but during that period discovered Bitcoin and here we are six years later with a podcast, a few documentaries, a football team, a bar and conversation with you. Yeah. That's incredible. Do you ever, you know, I think I share this with you too, but you know, you're not going to sit on a podcast and be like, wow, look at my life. Look how great I'm doing. Look at where I've come. But that's, that's a journey. I, I don't know what percentage of people would come out like that. Like you could have kept going and not physically be here today. Right. So do you ever take a step back and, and feel that sense of um, gratitude or that sense of appreciation of like, that was a challenging thing I did. And yes, there are people that support you along the way. Um, but what, what's that like for you to, reflect on that i mean look trey i was very lucky you know i i there's a chain of events that if it doesn't happen i'm in a you know different world a different life but um yeah starting a podcast and it could have been any topic and i picked bitcoin just before bitcoin moons and you know, i get some great interviews and i end up having you know, a podcast in an industry that pays well so and do then, you but you do know. you think because uh, you've covered a lot of different topics on your show um one of the inspirations i draw for this one is many episodes where I might talk about Bitcoin for five minutes, but I'm talking about things that I think are tangential or relate to the world Bitcoin is talking about. Those are my most interesting conversations that I'm looking forward to. I think you could have talked about, you could, your podcast could have been on about anything, and I think you would have found similar success because of the way you frame conversations, but that's just my thought. Well, yeah, but like I'm a hard worker. I've built four yeah. businesses in my life that turn over a, a million pound, and I, you know, my agency employed 45 people like this podcast has seven full-time staff i now run a football like i know how to run businesses right. you know so i would have created a business i've always had the entrepreneurial spirit but the chain of events have led me to to having the life that i'm living now I've, I've there's a lot of luck in there and I'm, I'm very grateful for it um but i you know with my football team i'm getting to live my dream and and then in doing a podcast and making documentaries i'm I get to do what I think is like outside of playing guitar and Metallica or playing up front for England, I get to do the best job in the world. Um, and so I feel very fortunate about that. Look, none of this would have happened without my divorce, which is a really weird thing to look at because you know, I lost the woman I love uh, and my my family was broken up. My kids you know, went through, certainly my son went through a harder upbringing because of that. But I have all this good stuff that's come off the back of it where I get to you know, travel the world and meet cool people and, and make shows. So it's, it's a really weird world looking at both of them. Uh, but I wouldn't change anything because it's, I, I, you know, I love what I get to do. Um, but it, I mean, it was very tough. There was, there was a two-year spell that was, was really, really hard. I mean, I went through chronic depression and 
anxiety. I mean, coming off drugs, I spent a year with just chronic anxiety and panic attacks. Like sometimes I couldn't get out of bed and yeah, I solved that through running through running. I've discovered the Rick, uh, rich roll podcast and, you know, I'd got also because of veganism, because my mum getting sick, she went vegan, so I went vegan. So I'd go running, listen to his podcast, and the running got rid of the anxiety. And but mum's cancer required me to get uh, cannabis oil. Well, I needed Bitcoin to get cannabis oil, so I got the Bitcoin. And then I went to a rich roll retreat, and you know, then hung out with him in LA, and said, "I want to do your job." And he's like, "Well, what are you going to make it about?" And I was like, "Well, I'm in Bitcoin at the time." There's like all these this weird chain of events that lead to me having a Bitcoin podcast, and that's there's just a lot of luck in there i mean like i say i it doesn't matter what i've done i would have worked hard and hopefully had a good career but i to get to the point where you're interviewing the president of a country and you know owning your local football team is i mean i'm just i'm the luckiest guy in the world uh speaking of that interview what you know i've I've heard you talk about it a little bit listen to the interview but um what was that like how did it feel different than other interviews were you nervous to sit down with bukele you know, balancing all of all of those things of Bukele, the controversial figure he is, but also El Salvador is doing better, it seems, and you, hear, you know all these conflicting things. Where where was your head at at the time going into to sit with him and chat? I mean, I was nervous. I don't get nervous in interviews anymore, and I was very very nervous in that one. Very nervous because there's a lot of pressure on me. I knew it wouldn't just be the eyes of Bitcoiners, but there would be people working for large media organizations people large working for three-letter institutions i was gonna say I mean, you had mentioned that and that did not surprise me and for those i i think you had mentioned in one of your podcasts whether it's cia fbi something weird seemed a little bit like some correspondence was trying to come in yeah there's, there's some weirdness going on there but you, you just knew there's a lot of different people who might look at that interview so i felt the pressure um uh, but there was that other weird thing going on is that my back had gone and i had sciatica and so i woke up on i woke up on the morning of the interview I couldn't sit down. I was like, every time I sat down, it was like a hot poker going in my leg. I was like, what the, what is going on here? So I ended up having to take a lot of uh, painkillers just to be able to sit down. And I had to time the painkillers because of them wearing off. So they would hit at the point where I sat down. During the interview, I thought I was going to vomit at one point because I was full of painkillers. I had a whiskey. His brother gave me a whiskey before we started. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was really weird, but like he was really accommodating. It was a great, I've interviewed him twice now. It was a great interview. Um, uh, in hindsight, I think I could have done it better. Um, but, but it, and, then, and then afterwards I got on the plane, went home. I, I got on the plane back to the UK and I just, I had a, like a real, you, you don't often stop and you know, look back and go, wow, look at, look at what's happening here. Yeah. Like when we won the league as a football team, I didn't, I haven't really ever taken that in. But I got on the plane after that one. I sat down. And I was just thinking, wow, there was a period, yeah, whenever it was, four year, five years ago, previous to that, where I was in a mess on drugs in the back of an ambulance because I had an SVT. Uh, I was about to lose my house. My marriage had collapsed um, and my company had collapsed. Like everything was rubbish. And I was kind of rock bottom and saw no way out of that. And here we are, four years later, I'm interviewing the president of a country. And I was like, Phew. Yeah, do you know what life? Life can you can turn life around. It can be all right. And that, that's one of my favorite things about podcasts and talking with people. I think similar to you is like we want to hear about these human stories. Like, yes, you know, it's about it's about Bitcoin, where you know we have particular focuses, but that's absolutely incredible um, and, and huge. And 
crazy. Like I even just just hearing that it, it blows my mind every time. And it, and I think too your unique position. And what I appreciate about you is, and hopefully there's there's more, but you you have been the bridge to normal mainstream conversations about Bitcoin. I truly believe that. And that's one of the things that we still need. We're still very we're early on in Bitcoin in general, but still early on to where it's not just a cypherpunk libertarian conversation. Like I can say, hey, go listen to this episode of Peter and know that they're going to get more or less a thing that doesn't sound completely crazy, you know, completely. And again, not because of the political tinge, but because when you're talking about, you've mentioned it's really magic internet money. It's it's hard to um, relate. I had a friend come over the other day and like, oh, what are you up to? Because, you know, recently, and I've been public about it on Twitter, I was laid off. So, you know, similar kind of life situation. What am I, what am I doing? So I'm like, oh, I've been doing this, uh, this, uh, you know, Bitcoin podcast. Like, like, let me, let me say it without them thinking I'm like, completely, uh, this is Trey's like depressed, unemployed phase or something like that. You know, it's a, it's still a bit awkward. Well, the thing is when you do a podcast and you, you know, you start to get to the point where like a lot of people are listening, you know, and, and you, you start to get in these weird places where like I had an England cricketer texting me because he wanted to buy bitcoin i had an england footballer ex-england captain texting me and i get invited to things yeah the other day i went to it was sting sting played in bedford and his son his son supported him his son's also a musician his son uh said the best thing about bedford is rail bedford is put bedford on the map and so i go and meet sting's son and i'm giving him rail bedford jerseys a bit like there's so many weird things it's just so weird and so the one thing I've I've always tried to do is just not change who I am. If, if you speak to my dad or my friends, they'll say Pete is exactly the same now as he was 20 years ago. Look, I still wear metal T-shirts, grow my hair, change my like wear my cap backwards. I, don't, I just I have not changed, and 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 I yeah my views have changed and evolved, and yeah something got better or worse. But I've 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 really tried to just stay as me as a person, and. I, and I think that's maybe why the podcast works for some people, not others. Some listen and go, yeah, it's a bit like me with Rogan. I disagree with Rogan on things, but I, I trust when he says what he says, he believes it. And like, I want people to know like, all right, Pete gets things wrong or I disagree with him, but I think he's being honest. And that, that, that that's what I've tried really hard to maintain because, you know, once you get audience captured and you start holding opinions that you don't believe in for the sake of you know, being successful, and that's difficult. And that's why I think some people don't like my show or don't like me because they, they want me to change. They want me to become what they are or agree with them. And I, I just, and I just don't. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, my, this, this podcast is small. I think there's a huge opportunity for it to grow more, but I've even had people reaching out, you know, saying, oh, you should have this person on, or you should talk about this, or you should talk about that. Um, and that's something that, it, you know, I'm sure I'll reach out to you about as well. And, you know, we chatted about it a little bit, but it's even hard. It, it's not hard for me because the one thing I'm like, this is only going to work if people feel that I'm connecting with the guests, if I'm being authentic, because I can tell, I've listened to some, even even some, you can't control this, but guests on your show, guests on others, when I'm like, I'm not getting authenticity from them. It's, it sounds like a sales pitch and I don't, I don't connect with those episodes. I don't connect with that that story, right? And like, like your point to Joe Rogan, sometimes I think he might have the most idiotic takes or I'm like, gosh, why is he talking about this? He, but again, it's that authenticity. I know he's being authentic to himself. I know when he's talking, he believes it, like you say, and that that's compelling. That that's a that's a starting point for anyone to listen or trust you. Not the point. Uh, again, the point of Bitcoin is not to trust. The point of your podcast isn't trust Peter. The point is 
is Peter being authentic and people like authentic human connection because we're really year after year, people are yearning for that, right? Well, because there isn't enough of it about anymore, but it's a cheat code. Like it's like on Twitter, say, saying the words, I got this wrong, I'm sorry, is a cheat code. People don't want to do it. There's an, there's an, people will double down, there's inertia to it. Um, but they should because what will happen is people will go, oh, wow, thanks. Oh, well, I appreciate you. And they will trust you more. And so, I think there's maybe when you asked me before that that search for the truth, it's like, it's it's. I think if you if you're trying to be truthful internally, then you're trying to find it externally. But if you are not being truthful internally, then why would you go and f- try and find it? So there's people I could give you endless profiles on Twitter. I know they're full of shit. They know they're full of shit. But then and 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 they're not finding the truth because truth isn't important to them. Yeah, you know, what's important to them is yeah, you know, likes, retweets, whatever. And so. Like my my Twitter, I never really blow up that much because my takes are all over the place. Because you can't confine me to one camp because I'm I'm not captured and and unfortunately there isn't enough of that. And I'm I feel like a bit of a dick saying it. It's almost it's almost like oh look at me, I'm so great, I'm so authentic. I don't know. It's just this is the way I've been brought up, and I've I've just not changed. It, it's also easier though. Like if you don't have to keep up with a lie, if you could, it it's. It... Not lazy is the wrong word, but it's just, it's easier. Just be yourself and run your life that way. Now, listen, if yourself or part of yourself is like you had mentioned, drug addict, you're dragging yourself to sleep every night, you're, you're terrible to people in your life. Sure. Maybe, maybe some changes are required, but I mean, be yourself in terms of like, I got this wrong. This is what I think. Have this authentic conversation. And I think the world would be a better place. And I don't think anyone would disagree if those in power, politicians, Jay Powell, whoever would say, got this wrong but that's like the matrix glitching you you can't you're not allowed to do that that's why that's why i'm a bit done with that structure again i'm saying this as my opinion a progressive and people do need to separate more and more and i've mentioned this i think margo and troy are great examples of this i think troy is probably just done talking about politics right margo seems to still be a bit in that in that camp of like left-leaning wanting to talk about it right And, and i find myself in that camp as well just because we're progressive does not mean we're supportive of the state as it is or of like, oh, let's work within that system. A lot of progressives started to wanting to bust out of the system before those on the right did, when the right was still in power, when George Bush, uh, even before that. And listen, I'm, I'm 30 years old, right? So when I when 9-11 happened, I was in like third or fourth grade, right? But that was foundational for me. 2008 was foundational and informative for me and just old enough to start you know, playing on to that in that millennial generation. Well, I think I think the, the the Democrat Party has made a lot of mistakes over the last four to eight years that have really damaged them as a party, as the Conservative Party in the UK has. The, the Conservative Party has drifted away from traditional conservative values. They're essentially, you know, center center right now, but with a lot of you know very cent because basically what's happened in the uk is like it's very hard to divide to fight divide the two parties now but i think that yeah i think there's been a lot of own goals scored by uh by the left in america and uh and those own goals have then been weaponized by the right or the right media and commentators and so i think one of the, the best examples is bernie sanders i think bernie sanders wouldn't have been great as a president because I think he wanted to give too much free stuff away. But if that's who the people wanted, wanted to vote for, give them who they want. Let them make the mistakes. Let them see the mistakes. It's like when you try and um, 
you try and protect your children from making mistakes. You don't say no to them. They don't learn from their mistakes. And you know, so you you have to allow people to make mistakes. And the DNC blocked Bernie from running, and he probably would have won that election, probably would have beaten Trump. And so I think they've made so many mistakes. And, and, and now, like, I think the left has just got, parts of the left have just got so fucking wild and so lost from reality that they've really, da- I, I mean, I, I, I can imagine there are a lot of Democrats in America who are kind of embarrassed to admit they are because of some of the crazy super left stuff, as people on the right are probably embarrassed by ultra right people. Well, that's probably so 80%. I, that majority, yeah. right? That where Twitter is the two percent of extremes. That majority in the middle is like, gosh, nothing's getting better. Inflation's out of control. Like they, that's that's stupid. We don't care about that. We don't care about that. But we're just gonna live our lives. Like people are just trying to live their lives. But I think you might be on the right track. Where you're saying, let's, we can't change this. So what what can we focus on that's different? Well, let's focus on empowerment. And empowerment is truth, information, money. It's all that stuff that we can control. So better media, better content, better money. Uh, Balaji was talking about what did he talk to me about media and money and military and so media we've got kind of decentralized media now which is great money we've got bitcoin i mean uh, yeah military i think the only decentralized version you've got is your second amendment rights and that's not a rabbit hole i want to go down but but I, i where can i make a difference i can make a difference by empowering people by helping them learn about the financial system how they can protect themselves and by just you know distributing better content and in that if i can have some sanity in the middle rather than like attaching myself to ideologically to one group then hopefully that that will help people so from your end a couple of the thoughts if someone from the left is listening to this a progressive you know, my hope is that, you know, a lot of people, especially early on, might be Bitcoiners. They might uh, come listen because they've seen me a little bit, most likely come listen because you're on this podcast. But for many of them from the left that stumbles in like progressive Bitcoin, huh? let me check this out. What are some of your biggest arguments or kind of the easiest selling points for progressives in the US? And again, I understand across the world, a lot of people have reached out and asked me, uh, Anita Posh was one, like, what is progressive? Like, it's not, a, I understand, but the progressive values of the left everyone has their context of that. And that's what I'm also trying to talk about because this is a global podcast. Uh, we, we've got a lot of different countries, you know, low downloads, but a lot of countries that listen in. So for you, what are what are the selling points? I would I would approach it differently. If somebody is a progressive listener to this show, they're not there on Bitcoin yet. I would say discard everything you've heard so far. Yeah. Discard Good starting point. all the, yeah, just discard everything you've heard so far that it is uh, boiling the oceans. It is an environmental disaster that it's used by terrorists and drug dealers and money. Discard everything you've heard. Go and buy Jason Meyer's book, The Progressive Case for Bitcoin, or A Progressive Case for Bitcoin. Yeah. With an amazing forward to... I've heard from, from yeah, uh, it's someone. It's pretty, yeah, pretty yeah. good. Oh, that's good. Uh, then write down your questions that you have. You know, the things you don't understand or the challenges you have. Then find a local meetup and go and ask those questions. That's what I would do. Um, but it's a small investment of time to to because if we're right about this which i think we are and you're wrong it's going to economically benefit you by understanding bitcoin and it's going to benefit the policies that you that are important for you yeah you if you're a you know if you care about the wealth gap if you care about the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer well then you should study bitcoin and understand why bitcoin you know can support a, you know, I don't know if it's a closing of the wealth gap, but a more fairer financial system so the poor aren't getting poorer. If you think Bitcoin is bad for the environment, 
go and read Jason's book and go and understand what's happening with Bitcoin mining and the grid in places like Texas. You know, if you believe that, by the way, and I think we should be focusing on nuclear over wind, but if you believe we should have more renewables, go and understand how Bitcoin mining is leading to uh, uh, investment in renewable energy. Just go read the book. Yeah. Assemble your questions and go to a local meetup. There'll be a meetup somewhere that you can get to an also, or drop me an email or drop Trey an email. Yeah, we I'll reply. You know, come at come with your questions, but don't discard Bitcoin just because you know a conservative who's a Bitcoiner. Or don't discard Bitcoin because Elizabeth Warren said something or you read something in the uh, New York Times. Discard all of that. You know, you've been hit with misinformation. Just go and go read Jason's book and then go and talk to talk to a Bitcoiner with your questions. That that's the approach I would take, um, because I could give different reasons. I can talk about you know the wealth gap or you know climate change, but the truth is, each person is going to have their own individual points, which is important to them. The things they care about most of all, right? And the biggest starting point for me too is, if you look at the current system, how has wealth inequality been shaping up under the current inflation, money printing, asset and home prices increasing? Who has that benefited? You know, in those old terms, the one percent. So that system yeah, I mean, clearly is not working. Look at Bitcoin at least. At least consider that because you trying to work within this system, and that's one of the reasons why being a progressive, being in Massachusetts where I'm based, Elizabeth Warren is one of the most infuriating for me because her work in 2008 and since on banking regulation, this and that, it's like she's supporting banking regulation, but then de facto supporting. JP Morgan Chase and centralization of banks. It, and again, I know what, she, regardless of intention, a lot of what we've seen in the past is she does want life to be better for working class folks, at least at some point. The past couple of years, I'm not sure that's even the case anymore, but at one point, that was her intention. But her policies and rhetoric has been only supporting the continuation of wealthy elite and wealth inequality. Period. Well, that, that that leads to another important point. Again, if you're a progressive, listen to this, you're not a Bitcoiner. One of the great things about learning about Bitcoin is you then learn about other things that you didn't know about. So yeah, learn about money, learn about the financial system, learn about Wall Street, learn about taxation, learn about inflation. Go read Ovik Roy's article from Freeop about inflation, where they talk about even a small amount of inflation, even low inflation has a compounding effect on the poorest in society. Okay, go and learn about that. Just, just go and learn about all these things. You don't even need to buy Bitcoin. But I guarantee you what you think is true, there's a good chance it's wrong. And the things you b b believe were true up until this point might be lies. And the sooner you get away from thinking the problem is left, free, right, and you start realizing it's them v. us, and the, you know, the politicians are no longer really representing the electorate how they should be and how they've created this you know, this beast, which is that feeds on fiat money and requires the eternal printer of money, which damages you, the better you will be armed to understand the world around you. Because like I say, I think we've both got to the point where we probably won't vote. It doesn't change the fact of what I believe, but, but I understand what's going on a bit better. And so if that Bitcoin rabbit hole leads you down other rabbit holes, you, you're only going to benefit. I mean, I... I don't know anyone who's done the real work. Yeah, not friends who've read a couple of articles of Bitcoin, but people have gone down the rabbit hole, read a couple of books, listened to a few podcasts, who've gone, yeah, do you know what? That Bitcoin thing's not for me. 
you, once you've taken the orange pill, there's no coming back. Yeah, but I think even to be willing to do that, you got to first come to a place where you've already established, all right, I've seen enough of the current system or enough behind the veil that I, I want I want something else, right? Like, like for me, you know, early on initially w- with my own story, it was, okay, you know, I work at nonprofits. I've got some student loan debt. These these stocks and stuff. This isn't looking too great. You know the inflation. This and I want to diversify a little bit. So it's a big way. Then coming, you know, finding your show. Don't even remember how I found it. But then hearing Alex Gladstein, hearing about humanitarian stuff as someone from the left, global issues. Hearing about the Trojan horse theory that even if people have misaligned incentives or not misaligned but terrible incentives of greed or they want more Bitcoin and this and that, it's still going to benefit. That's the great, and there's never been anything like it. You know, this whole, oh, you should uh, fight climate change or this company should donate to this because it's the right thing to do. This free market capitalist, it's the right thing to do. You know, do that. Or this government is going to do it because they they care or this person's going to do it because they, they want to. No, no, no. This works no matter what, regardless of people's incentives. That's what's brilliant. For me, that was like the okay, this could actually work because I was mistrusting of the world, <laughs> you know, and like the world is kind of, kind of evil. So it's good, but it's also evil. This, that's both kids. It's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, look, the, it goes back to what you said earlier. What does Bitcoin solve? What are the problems it solves? Once you identify those, it becomes very clear that Bitcoin solves the same problems for people of the left to the right. It, it solves the, the needs of humans outside of politics. But you, but you have to get to that point where you realize, actually, yeah, they might believe in the Second Amendment and they might believe in, you know, that abortion is evil. But their fundamental basic needs as a human to survive and support their family are exactly the same as mine. And once you start realizing that, the other stuff will start to go away. That's awesome. Well, I, I want to just ask you one more thing in terms of, you know, sure, what you got going on the rest of this year. So... I think you mentioned you and Danny are going out to like Africa in December, but um, what what does your world look like the next six months for a year? Yeah, uh, four more films. So I'm going to Argentina next month you say to make four a film. more. Uh, yeah, wow. so I'm going to Argentina okay. next month to make a film about living under high inflation. Uh, September, I'm going to head to Lebanon. I'm going to be making a film about living in a failed state. So one a state has actually failed. What does that mean? Uh, I'm going to go out to Canada uh, in October, make a film about revisiting the trucker story, kind of like what happened, what really happened here. And then December, I'm going to head out to Africa and make a film about what's happening there. And then around those events, I'll obviously be making podcasts and you know, whatever. But yeah, it's going to be a busy year and uh, hopefully continue to improve my skills as a filmmaker. That's incredible. That's awesome. Oh, and ho- and hopefully we're going to win another league. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Cool. So where, you know, where do you want to point people? Anything for people to look out for? I, you know, obviously I highly recommend if you're new into Bitcoin, check out Peter's podcast. It's a, a great initial first step, but you know, anything else you want to, you want to share? Yeah. Ch- check out the podcast it's called What Bitcoin Did. It's, it will have a range of voices on there. People you agree with, people you disagree with, go and check it out. Let me know what you think. And uh, if you like football, soccer, check great. out Rail Bedford, my football team. Yeah. And, and Tottenham, right? That's a good one to follow okay. it here. Be, be, be careful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Anything we didn't we didn't cover or mention that uh, that you wanna you wanna throw out there? No, just good luck, man. Just go do this, and yeah, I'm I'm the episodes I'm looking forward to most in yours are where you have uh, conservatives on your podcast. Yeah, I'll um I'll mention a couple I got off off air here that I'm that I'm excited about. But um, all right, thank you, Peter. For, Super appreciate it. Thank you for jumping on. 